So even though you haven't showered for maybe a week and a half, <laughs> everyone else has done the same. So you're all in the same boat. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 12 of Terminal Exchange. If you're new to the podcast, I want to extend a special welcome to you. Terminal Exchange is the official podcast show of Newsbomb Transportation, where we share all the latest happenings in the company and tell the stories of the people that make Newsbomb extraordinary. If you're new to podcasts in general, I have a few tips to share with you to make your experience the best it can be. First, download a podcast player uh, to your smartphone. If you're an iPhone user, I simply recommend using Apple Podcasts. And if you have an Android phone, there are several options, but my favorites right now are CastBox, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. There are lots of options out there for both platforms, so you should be able to find one that you like. And if you already use Spotify, you can play podcasts through the Spotify app as well. Once you set up a player, search for Terminal Exchange, and then hit the subscribe button or add to your favorites. Some apps use different terms for subscribing, but in short, all this means is that you will have quicker access to Terminal Exchange or any of the other shows that you like and subscribe to. And you can set preferences to have the episode automatically download as well. On the note of downloading, I do recommend downloading an episode before playing it. Streaming is fine, but but it can be a bit of an adventure at times with buffering or difficulty and skipping forward or backward. Uh, individual episodes aren't generally large in file size, so you shouldn't see any data usage skyrocket. And if storage is an issue, most players will remove downloaded episodes once they've been played. The great thing about using a dedicated podcast app instead of streaming from a website is that the app will keep track of where you are. It remembers what episodes you listen to and knows which ones you haven't. And if you need to pause and come back later, it saves your place so you don't have to do any awkward fast forwarding or skipping around to figure out where you left off last. Then to get the most out of Terminal Exchange, be sure to hop over to our podcast page, TerminalExchange.org. There you'll find more resources, including show notes, pictures, videos, and links that are relevant to that week's show. Now, if you're a Newsbomb driver and you have the Link app, Terminal Exchange is already feeding straight to your newsfeed in Link. But if you're not a Newsbomb driver, you can sign up for our email list to receive the latest episodes and articles directly to your inbox. It's just a weekly email, so you don't have to worry about us spamming your inbox. And that's pretty much the starter basics for enjoying Terminal Exchange and other great podcasts. If you like our show, could I ask you a couple of favors? First, would you leave us a rating or or review in iTunes or in whatever app you're using? This really helps other podcast listeners find our show organically and lets them know that this might be a podcast and company worth checking out. And second, can you encourage others to check out Terminal Exchange? We'd love to have our entire company listening every week. And your recommendation may be just the thing to get our fellow driver on board. If you've been listening a while, you also know that this show isn't just for drivers. So be sure to tell your office buddies and other friends and family about Terminal Exchange. We appreciate all of our listeners and we look forward to bringing you more great content every week. In this week's feature exchange, 
I'm talking with Newsbomb driver and performance coach Mike Van Eisendorn. Mike has been tagged with the informal designation as counselor uh, because of his background and affinity to walking alongside people through their journey. If this is your first time hearing about performance coaches, I recommend going back to episode seven, uh, where we introduce Mike along with our other two performance coaches, Jeff King and Maya Hernandez. Mike has a unique story and perspective. He's also one of the most even keeled guys I've ever met, which is why I was very surprised when a particular part of his story uh, that he shares towards the end of our conversation comes out. Uh, I'm, I'm betting many of you will be a little surprised to hear where Mike and his wife have chosen to spend roughly about a week of their year for each of the last 10 years. I really love getting to find out unexpected things about people. And, and this one really does rank towards the top of the unexpected. So on that cliffhanger, here's our counselor, performance coach, Mike Van Eisendorn. Mike, thanks so much for uh, taking some time to sit down with me here and uh, look forward to getting to know a little bit about you and share with uh, our listeners here who you are and why you're in this position as a performance coach. Mm -hmm. Glad to be here. So, Mike, tell me a little bit about yourself, um, how long you've been driving, how long you've been with Newsbomb, how you got into trucking. Sure. Um, I grew up in Chicago, born in Chicago, really close to the sounds of Wrigley Field, <laughs> and uh, but it wasn't too long that my family moved farther away from Chicago, but we were still in the Chicago area. So I started trucking in Chicago also. I had a friend who, his dad owned a trucking company in Chicago, and he said, I want to launch out on my own. Do you want to join me? And so three guys and a truck, and we ran it 24-7. Um, my part in that is that when he asked me, I hadn't even driven a stick in a car <laughs> at that point. So we went out into the parking lot and a month's worth of doing donuts and stopping hard and uh-huh. starting hard. Um, I was running the rails in Chicago and my clutch leg was very, very strong. <laughs> I bet. With uh, Chicago runs. So yeah, that's yeah. A, that's an interesting location to learn. Yeah. And get started in your trucking career. Yeah, because from the get-go, it was run hard because it was about getting from one rail yard to the next rail to the customer. And as many you know boxes as you can move, that's how much money you made. And so mm-hmm. with the three of us, we did it for a year. They got ill, and I didn't want to do that by myself. So <laughs> no doubt. that was it. I uh, went on to a temp agency and eventually got hired by Ryder mm-hmm. and uh, started working there for about four years, became a manager. Back in that day, it was pagers and telephones, you know, flip phones. So I had three of those, and one night it was a driver who couldn't make his route, so I was there, and... Both pagers going off, <laughs> both phones going off while holding onto the steering wheel. And I said, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was timely. I had to, uh, had a call to go to the church that, uh, that I was attending. They needed more uh, than what I was giving. So I took some time off to do full-time pastoring. And hmm. uh, so that's where I was in Chicago. So tell me a little bit about that experience as, uh, you know, being a full-time pastor. Now, was that your first go at at ministry? No, no. I've been uh, doing either assistant pastoring since I was 
19 okay. and, uh, in church in Chicago and traveled from church to church as my experience grew and um, became involved with youth, became involved with the adults. And, you know, you just keep growing from there mm -hmm. and uh, wasn't really specialized in anything. I liked doing everything. Mm -hmm. And um, we liked the kids the most, but, you know, that's that's where we ended up mostly with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask what uh, differences are between working primarily with kids or mm -hmm. youth and adults. Um, I love kids' honesty. Uh, people, older people, can be honest, but it's usually veiled. Mm -hmm. And uh, kids are just like openly honest, uh, even in the bad stuff. They're openly honest, and I loved that part. Mm -hmm. It helped me learn to see what they were saying. And then as I graduated into going into counseling with older folks, I could see the kids saying things by what they were saying and, and uh, was able to equate, okay, this is the real problem. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. How do you deal with that sort of veil and mask with, with an adult that's hiding behind a screen of kind of having things more together? I like letting people reveal that for themselves. I'd rather have a person have an ah, aha moment mm -hmm. rather than me say, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong. Um, but that took a long time to get to that place because sure. uh, I found out pointing out people's problems are just not, it's it's not a good way not to go. well received? Not, not really. Um, <laughs> but uh, most of the people that I was counseling were already you know, within my circle, and so it wasn't about rejection or anything like that. It was... You know, you want people to grow. You want people to heal. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they discover that themselves, what the problem is, and that's my my journey, is helping them discover that so that they can have that aha moment and say, yeah. oh, this is what I need to do. What are the, some, of, some of the ways of, of accomplishing that and, and helping get that to come out and into light? Uh, a lot of it is day-to-day uh, -day stuff. When Some people use the term mentoring, mm -hmm. but to me, mentoring is I'm walking with you every day, so I'm checking in with you every day. And so the tighter you are with a person, the faster you usually get to those aha moments. I assume with that, I mean, there's, there's more trust being built up yes. in the process. It's always about the trust because people don't know if you love them until they learn to trust you, and they don't know that you, they can trust you until you love them. You know, it's that mm -hmm. kind of deal. Yeah. How long had you spent then? So kind of going back to your mm -hmm. timeline here, mm -hmm. uh, called back into ministry there, mm -hmm. a full-time pastor. Okay. Uh, what did that look like for you? Uh, how long were you doing that? Uh, about five five to seven years, I think it was, because there was points where I would start working again. Um, pastoring doesn't always pay all the no, bills. No, no. Uh, it pays some of the bills. Um, but I wasn't really into, you know, like— for that, but there sure. was people who were needing help, so I wanted to do that. But I also needed to pay bills, so I was trying to be a good sure. steward on both areas. So I started driving again off and on with friends who had moving companies and, and other trucks, trucking areas. And so I kept my skills up by doing part-time stuff. Gotcha. So how did you find yourself back into trucking then? Um, I went... A course of time where I had to take care of my father-in-law full-time. He was, he was living a full life, and he was born in the house, and he wanted to die in his house. Oh, wow. And so that was his wishes, and so I ended up taking care of him till his last days. And it was an awesome 
experience mm. to be able to have him be able to do that because most people can't do that anymore. Sure. Um, so that was a, a long year, long years, I should say, of time where I wasn't doing anything but taking care of him. And um, But then my sister got sick here in Peoria, Illinois, and so I went also to help her. And uh, in that period of time, I got hired on to Allied in... Um, in Peoria. And so I started moving furniture and driving a truck into weirdly odd places, <laughs> uh-huh. which was good training. Yeah. So, yeah, as, as we think of drivers that have had to leave here mm-hmm. to care for family members, right. usually that's not an easy decision, but it's right. a necessary one. Right. Can you tell me a little bit about that time spent in that one on one, that intentional care right. that time? What did that really look like for you? 2020 hindsight, no regrets. It was awesome. I needed to do it, um, wanted to do it. Uh, at the onset of it, there's always that trepidation of, like, should, how far, what, you know, you can't even finish your sentences because you don't know what you're actually supposed to do and what the responsibilities are. But in a short period of time, it was like full bore family first. Mm-hmm. And work will eventually make its way back to me. But to try to walk in both places was more difficult. I had to keep my focus. Mm-hmm. And so that would be my advice. Like, if you're going to do this, don't worry about what the job is going to do or what the job will be. It will come back to you. Mm-hmm. I think we have a great culture here where we do have a family first right. mindset. So you know, anytime we've ever had a driver that has, or you know, even non-driver that has had to deal with family situations, right? Look, you got deal family first. Right. In that, the short term, I've found that to be very, 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 very true. <laughs> you know, that, that family is first here. And uh, having a family that's now extended, my son has moved away. The importance is, may not be as great for me, but I remember when my son was young, how much I wanted to pour into him. And, and other jobs did not have that same feel of family first. And so I saw the effects of that. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you managed to work your way to Newsbomb. Um, working at Allied in, in Peoria was great. I mean, from the aspect of I was moving pianos, moving furniture, day in and day out, running up and down ramps all day long. I was eating what I want and, and losing <laughs> weight. So it was awesome. And um, so it was great, but it's very seasonal. Yeah. And moving into Peoria, we wanted to buy a house and... Seasonal is not optimum for mm-hmm. for buying things, <laughs> um, for what we wanted, sure. and the style we wanted to live in. So I had to make a decision, and so I started looking around. And I had seen new spam trucks before and didn't know anything about it. And uh, but I said, well, I'll give it a chance because I wanted to be fairly close to Peoria. Mm-hmm. I saw Everett was in Morton, and uh, so I was titillated with the automatics in the truck and like, <laughs> what's that? And, uh, and then I saw Nussbaum also had automatics. So the, your, your, your uh, clutch leg wasn't quite as strong as maybe it once was. I, I didn't, wasn't thinking about that, but, um, <laughs> it intrigued me about automatic. Like, yeah. how could that be? How yeah. can that be in a trucks? But the technology, I was not there yet. So I started researching actually and looking it up and, and that's what like edged me toward, okay, I got to call Nussbaum and I want to see what this is all about. And uh, so, yeah, it was more of a technology thing than an actual, yeah. like, what is Nussbaum? 
Um, so I leaned that way, came for an interview, and um, and was totally surprised and probably on the edge of being blown away of like who the people were and what Brent represented and like walking into the building and going like, usually people say, okay, I'm returning to the barn. I'm going like, this is not a barn. This is a lodge. You know, like, so like, what are you talking about? And I was just blown away by the people and the place itself. So kind of came for the technology Yes. You stayed for the people. Yes. <laughs> well, put, well put. Well put. You know, and what's interesting with that to me is actually the technology can be polarizing. Mm-hmm. You know, for some drivers, particularly veteran drivers, that can be a little bit more of a, you know, turnoff right. than an, a, an attractor. So th- what about that? What Were there some specifics and uh, about the technology that excited you? Have you? Is that something that you've always just kind of been... Yeah, I've are, always. Are you a techie? Sort yeah, of? yeah. I used to part-time build computers, and okay. I was in the age of you know still typing in your commands kind of thing <laughs> in the computer. But I loved it, and so like technology has always been a part of me, and so it was not a, a hard shift to go from paper logs to you know working on a tablet. Mm-hmm. That was not hard at all. So I loved it. Yeah. I personally appreciate the culture that we have here of mm-hmm. the people. And that is, you know, as far as a job goes, you know, it's, of course, we all, it's a job still that mm-hmm. we have here, but uh, the people really make it worthwhile. They make it easy. With the people that it's easy you. to make a mistake. That's what I really appreciated. It um, didn't make too many, but when I did, um, the responses were important to me, mm-hmm. you know, and, which is with everybody, you know, how a person responds to you, what you think they're going to respond to by your situation usually hinders you from actually getting the right response, learning to call the manager when you actually have a problem rather than trying to solve it and then have to have it compound on you. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned that fairly quickly, um, both with Gary um, and Mitch. They were my leads Mm -hmm. uh, managers, and I found out really quickly how patient they were with me and answered my questions and their voices didn't fluctuate and to make me guess, you know, like, oh, maybe he was mad at me, but he really was. You know, I didn't have to do any of that. Um, what they said is what they said. Yeah. And that was what I needed. Yeah. When you are being coached, it's not to reprimand. Right. Um, it's really to help you become the best that you are, right? Right. Um, can you talk any more through that, as part, particularly as it pertains to, you know, as we have the scorecard system in place right. and, and working towards improvement and, and building your score up, which right. puts more money in your pocket in the end. But right. that whole process and, and working maybe with Rick and right. and your driver manager, what would that look like for you? Uh, one of the visuals is the numbers. You get your your scorecard and you say, oh, I'm not doing good. Oh, I'm doing well. You know, whatever you're wherever you're at. Um, that can be a cumbersome thing where you're like judging yourself by the numbers rather than are you improving? Are you looking to do well? Are you like the mentality shift has to happen for you to have peace of mind when you're driving? Like you can't judge yourself by the numbers that you're producing, though it is a gauge. But having like many of the drivers I've already talked to, um, you can feel the comfort and the, and the, dare I say it, peace that they they put forth in their voice and, and how they're driving um, by knowing that they're not being judged by the numbers, that when I'm calling them, they're not saying, oh, I'm doing badly. That's why you're calling. Like, they're already knowing that 
what can I do to be better? What, what, what hints can you give me? What tips mm-hmm. can you give me? And that's where I love to flow from. And when people are having a hard time and they're judging, to be able to say right off the bat, like, the numbers don't matter. Where are you at in, like, how you think you're doing and where are you at on where you think you want to go? And, uh, and we go from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. And the great thing is that you're doing this right alongside other yes. drivers. Yes. You know, you're, you're in here in the office twice, you know, two days out of the month, right? right. Um, so the rest of the month, you're I'm sitting in there. the seat of the truck, you're in it right. yeah, for sure. So Facing um, the same problems. Fa- facing all the same problems, difficulties, challenges. Right. Um, and still... You know, you're not going to be perfect out there, and there's right. improvement to be had. Yeah. Uh, how do you attack your own challenges as far as uh, improving your scores, improving what you do on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. What sort of mindset do you put in place to improve yourself? First, don't beat myself up because we all tend to do that. But I love the technology that helps. Um, there's several drivers who ask, you know, how do I turn, you know, turn the lights on to show the, you know, the gauge and yep. other drivers say, oh, I turned it off because it bothers me, sure. you know, and so there's different mindsets, uh, but everybody finds even in uh, um, this one area where there's a gauge on your, on your dashboard that shows you how many feet you are in front or, you know, how many feet in front of you that the vehicle is. Sure. Some people like the number of feet, others like the seconds. Mm-hmm. I, I started out with feet, but I like could not comprehend it. It just seemed like the math was not there. But the minute I changed it to seconds, everything clicked. Honestly, I didn't even know that was even a feature. I knew the feet yes. were there. I did yes. not know that seconds were there. So yeah. that might be, I don't know if everybody is fully aware of that, but yeah, it can I, be changed. I like that as well. I think on the older trucks, they can't, the, but we're really okay. moving out of that. Um, but the newer trucks can. You can change it to seconds. And that that changed my score of following drastically. I was able oh. to gauge it better. My my brain was able to handle that more than the the feet. Other people are going to be able to do that, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> but the the point is, the technology helped me in that. Yeah. So I mean, you're taking the technology and using it to your advantage. Yes. Uh, rather than allowing it to be something that's holding you down or you can view as a negative because some it's of this berating me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you're you're taking advantage of that. Mm-hmm. What other technology uh, should drivers be looking at to take advantage of to help them out? The PeopleNet have map system. Um, I don't use it. I don't think I ever have. I looked at it, um, but I use it as comparison because uh, PeopleNet does have routes uh, that are planned out for you, um, and some people do use them, but I use my GPS and I mm-hmm. use it to compare to see like where things are mm-hmm. and, and in relation. So um, I use it both. I use both PeopleNet and even though I'll lean toward my own GPS because mm-hmm. I trust it. Not explicitly. We've had a few conversations, <laughs> um, but you know, like you know, going through Dallas GPS, you better watch the signs. You better not look at your GPS. So, <laughs> uh, what are you using specifically for GPS? Uh, Rand McNally. Okay, so a standalone unit. Yes, there. Yeah, and that has the the specific truck routes right. on it. Right. So, ideally, assuming it's right, you're, it's yeah. not taking you down exactly. roads where you shouldn't be. Or does it also right. does it also take into consideration bridge heights along the way yes. as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is put into it before you start off. You yeah. can you can do that. Your weight, how much weight you have, you can change it each time. You don't have to. I just leave it at 
the heaviest and, and it'll tell me like, you can't go on that road. Yeah. But it's fairly accurate. It tells me when I watch the mile markers go by, I watch it change on my GPS. It tells me what speed nice. is there. Is it 100% accurate? I would say it's 99.9. Uh, I know. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Um, I haven't tried any others. And other people have told me like, oh, no, not Rand McNally. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, you know, fine. everybody's got their preferences. You exactly. Know, like, you know, exactly. Google Maps or Apple Maps. Or, right. Or, yeah. The so. danger, uh, and there is one, is like I, I remember the days where I was pulling out my map book and planning out my trip mm -hmm. in minute detail and having to remember. And I admire the generation past that did that and the danger of like having to depend on my GPS yeah. to get me where I'm going. It is like I have to pull my map book out and just to like remember. That's all. Just remember, you know, <laughs> then put it back and then go from the GPS. Yeah. yeah. What does that planning process look like? like for you now? Mm -hmm. I plan a whole lot more. And when I say more, I mean, I'm taking, instead of two minutes, just jumping the truck and going, I'm taking 10, 15 minutes, even before I start my on-duty time sometimes, just to, like, where am I going? Where am I stopping? Where, where are the places that I can stop if I have to? Um, and just general rest stops. Mm -hmm. You know, just try to plan that out so I can be on time. Planning out where you might take your 30-minute break. Exactly. And all yeah. of that. Do you have a backup plan in, in, in place as well <laughs> for the day? Uh, if I need a backup plan, I'm usually calling my manager. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm handling it. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So, Mike, you've been in the office here for officially now. This is mm -hmm. your second day yes. in the office as a performance coach. Yes. You, know, you did your training stuff you mm -hmm. know, a couple few weeks ago. But uh, how's it been so far for you to, to sit there at the desk, be in the office? What's, what's that been like? Um, a lot of adrenaline all the way up to the end of the day. <laughs> it was exhausting. Um, <laughs> but it was fun. Um, even today, I found myself pacing rather than rushing in. Uh, it's like trying to get not just the list done, but like making sure I had everything, my ducks lined in a row so that I don't misinform any drivers, so that I don't miss anything, mm -hmm. you know, concerning. But um, so far it's been really fun, fun. What's it like to be looking at other drivers' current challenges mm -hmm. um, and successes do you find yourself comparing yourself? There's only one person that I compare myself with, and I will not mention his name. Um, <laughs> but I end up going to mine mostly all because I am my own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And to compare myself with anybody else would just be fruitless. Um, but there are bars that I like to set. And so looking at how others are doing isn't really helpful unless I talk with them. And say, yeah. why are your scores this way? And what can I do? Because my scores are here. What do I need to do to get there? And um, so, no, I don't do a whole lot of comparison. And even when I'm looking at the driver's records, I'm not saying, oh, he's better than me or I'm better than him. Mm -hmm. That's pointless to me. Um, and it would be bad for them yeah. if I had that in my 
in my voice or anything else, it would not be good. So yeah, I, I don't do any comparison. It's just, this is what it is. And, and so I ask the driver, what's your situation now? And is that a constant? And we go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that, that thought. I'm glad you, you mentioned that. What are you looking forward to as you continue in this role? What are you hoping to get out of this? What are you hoping to achieve? What kind of keeps you going with it? What gets you excited? Uh, the understanding of what the numbers mean. Because when I look at the, the spreadsheet, I look at the numbers, like there's gazillions of numbers to look at. And when I see what Jeremy, he walks over to the screen and says, oh, yeah, they do this. And there's something like, what are you seeing? You know, like, <laughs> and so wanting to understand like what I'm looking at, I, I, it takes me a little longer to assess, okay, because there's a per, this percentage here in this row, that's what that means. And that, that will help me in the long run. Um, and so that's a repetitive thing. Um, but mostly it's, um, I feel like I'm going to be a better driver. If I, if I would stop this you know, today, I feel like I'm going to be a better driver mm-hmm. just because I'm able to see how things are assessed, how the numbers got there, uh, why they're there. There's a lot of data in there to be able to look at and a lot of data coming in that gets aggregated to make more sense (laughs) of what's going on. But being able to see that and get some line of sight to that really can kind of open up. And and it also validates what's happening. Uh, And you can really use that. I mean, Metrics are being used in right. in athletics, you know, sports, you know, baseball and and basketball, football. All these guys are are right. using the metrics to improve their game, exactly, to get the most value out of everything that they're doing, to get you know that uh, extra tenth of a second on right, you know, in, in your forty. And that's the metaphor that I use for uh, for the drivers with, who are afraid of the camera, you know, like. Well, yeah, it might be assessing, you know, what you did in a certain situation, but ball players, every athlete athlete looks at cameras not just to look at what the opposition's doing, but they want to see how their throwing arm was. Mm-hmm. It's all about assessing what you've done so that you don't do something or you improve in another area, and it's it's the same pattern. You're looking at the the numbers and you're saying, "Okay, I remember what I did here." This is what I can do now. And that's what the lights on your dashboard are. You know, mm-hmm. when it turns yellow, you say, oh, I, I took that turn a little too harsh. Uh, it is really super sensitive. And <laughs> I've had to name my my lights on the dash names, um, you know, Abigail. You know, like, Abigail, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, it's just like we have those conversations. Every driver does. Um but they're there to help mm-hmm. and to help us improve. Yeah. And that's what I look at, at the numbers. I'm going to walk away improved because I saw what those numbers are. And I'll yeah. put my experience with that and say, this is what I can do to offset that or improve on that. Yeah, absolutely. And even the the best. So, you know, if we look at a Tom Brady, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the best golfers like a Tiger Woods, right. you know, th- these guys go and look at footage of themselves. Right. The mechanics of that that they're doing, you know, they're throwing or their swing, mm-hmm. and especially as they age. Right. You know, and, and mature, things have to change a little right. bit there's there's different pro, a process to it all you know and they now have to adapt and do right. things just a little bit differently than maybe they did five ten years ago exactly yeah. and and this I think the same can still be true of, of a driver as right. you know you grow and now we've got new 
technology and their new equipment that uh, is there to design to help right. make your job easier. Right. And that would be that would be my encouragement to drivers is to when you want to know, like all these numbers are are there available, and all you have to do is call your drive manager and say, the camera went on at this time. Is there anything to it? that I should be aware of. And mm-hmm. then he can look and tell you what it is. All you have to do is ask. Talk about that proactivity, even, of calling in before you get a call. Oh, yeah. When when I see the lights light up, you know, depending on what it is, like there's times I hit a pothole, like I don't have to call for that, sure. you know. But when I'm, I've gone around a curve and I did everything that I could and all of a sudden the light goes on or I'm just driving along and all of a sudden I notice that the light's on and I don't know what that is, call your drive manager. He'll, once it's downloaded, once you see the... The, the data mark gone and the, and the exclamation point gone, they're going to be able to receive and look at what you did and give you pointers on like, okay, this is what happened. This is why it triggered. And you just put that on the shelf for the next time. Mm-hmm. How much of driving is mental versus physical? I think if I had to put percentages, I would say it's 80% mental. Because my body's just sitting there. I mean, the, the way trucks are, you know, with cruise control and no shifting and like you're steering. It's a lot of mental um, attention. Paying attention to details is like until you're stopped. And even after that, because when you're doing your three-point stance off the truck, you know, you still have to pay attention where your feet are. Like, it's all about paying attention wherever Mm -hmm. you're going under the truck to inspect it, paying attention, looking at what you're really looking at what you're looking at rather than, (laughs) you know, just saying, oh, there's the truck. So putting some intention there. But, you know, the way you uh, even start your day Mm -hmm. coming into it or allow certain things to come in and disrupt your day right. and and your your mentality the way you're thinking right how do you combat those disruptors it's a real sliding scale because everyone's got different problems at different times at different intensities and uh, when I see that the intensity level is going up that I can't process it's almost like I need to call my drive manager again you know it it, it seems like it goes back to that but he's your support group and I've always felt that way is like they're there to help me. Um, so when the intensity level gets to the place where I can't concentrate anymore, mm-hmm. then it's either time to pull over mm-hmm. or if I haven't started, you know, like somebody has to be talked to. You can't just deal with this yeah. on your on your own. You need to find someone to talk to. I think that's a great um, example of use for our um, road captains yes. as well yes. uh, that, that are newly uh, in place. So yeah. just another resource, somebody, if nothing else, just to help Right. Bring it down from that edge a little bit. Right. Um, and someone that can empathize right. with, with your situation. Right. So and and then too, I, I would say you as a performance coach and you know, our people in HR are still available there as well. Very much so. Yeah. I have the list of the captains, I have their numbers. So if I have to refer someone, I will, because if they're in your group, we should be referring them because they're the ones that are gonna be boots on the ground with you and give you the, the data and the support that you need. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, um, I'm going to change gears a little bit okay. here on you, but we were talking beforehand, and now you we've labeled you as our counselor. 
performance coach, uh, a lot of that due to your experience in ministry and mm-hmm. such. But uh, you kind of threw me off a little bit before we started talking uh, mm-hmm. in this interview about a particular ministry that you uh, you mm-hmm. and your wife are involved in. And uh, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I want you to kind of just start taking me into this. Okay, I'm going to take you on the way outside the box here. Um, we meaning my wife and I, uh, we started doing this area of ministry called dream interpretation. We saw in scripture that uh, people dreamed and in Eastern, you know, back in the day, people put great importance on dreams. And we said, well, what's that about? So we started doing that and found out that there was a group of people that also were learning and teaching how to do dream interpretation. And it became one of our main methods of reaching people who didn't want to be reached because everybody dreams. Even when they say they don't dream, they have dreamt, mm-hmm. even when they were young. So we would be able to interpret a dream and, uh, and everybody sleeps. So when you <laughs> sleep, you dream, even if it's a bad dream. So that took us into a place of where, where can we go? And we got invited to Burning Man. And Burning Man is a place out in Nevada for one week, they build a city of 70,000 people, mm-hmm. and they have a particular philosophy. It, it's evolved over the years, but at this present, they want to be a very um, environmentally forward people group who j- rule themselves. It started out as a thumbing your nose at the man kind yeah. of uh, of deal, but it has evolved, but there's still those tentacles there. Um, but there's artisans there, there's people who just want to party, there's very highly spiritual people there uh, chasing God in, in all sorts of streams. And, um, and the surprising characteristic was there was many people who have been churched there, but have been injured. Mm-hmm. And so they're yeah. there searching. And so we went there and it's um, without going into too many descriptors of the how it is, um, it's a very hard place for your average person to be and say, I'm going to bring the gospel or even bring just a message of hope. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we went for the last 10, 11 years. We're hoping to go again. And um, yeah, we got to deal with a, a lot of things and it really heightened our conflict resolution areas. Interesting. Yes. Well, practically speaking, you know, you arrive there. What does that, what's your strategy? What's your game plan? What are you doing there at Burning Man? We want to let them experience God. That's where we're at. And to experience God uh, is different than learning about him in word and and sitting in a row. Um, most of the people that we meet will never enter a church. And so our, I won't say our philosophy, but our our mode of operation is to be there with them and introduce them to the experience of God. And and we only go as far as they go. Mm-hmm. And we're very one-on-one with them. And we bring them to a place of being able to experience God. So they finally ask, and I'm jumping the gun here, but it, they come to the place where they're saying, what is that? What happened here? What, what, what's going on? And then we get to go to the next step with them. 
So this kind of takes place in more or less the middle of the desert sort of thing, right? Yes. If I'm not mistaken. It's a very harsh atmosphere to be in. And you you guys are setting up a tent camper? We have a coffee dome that we, we, everything's free in Burning Man. There's no, it's all about gift giving. That's one of their philosophies, which I enjoy. Every, Mm -hmm. you know, every Christian I think believes like we should be giving. So yeah, so we give coffee all day long. And um, and then we have another tent where we have more intimate places where we talk and uh, dream interpret and do other areas. Mm-hmm. How do people find out? Or I guess is is coffee your sort of gateway to interaction? Or no, it's it's a it's a part of the whole because the we have several tents and they're all interactive. So you can be in one and say. Oh, I'm going to go in there and be in one and say, "Oh, I need to go rest, so I'm going to go get some coffee and just chill out there." Okay. Uh, so it's very much a interwoven kind of thing. It's not one thing or the other. Is it just you and your wife, or is there? No, other we have. Uh, we've varied between um, the team that's doing it now has been doing it for 18 years. Okay, we've been doing it for 10. My wife and I, and so it varies between 10 people and 40 people. It depends on who goes and who doesn't. Now, I have to imagine that in that environment, there's a lot of kind of extremes, so to speak. Way out there. <laughs> so way, way out there. Very bizarre things that you would never see anywhere else. Yeah, there's things that you you would think you would want to unsee, but because that's what is happening there, you you want to be there. And... I mean, that's the reason we're there. And we've been given the ability and the authority to be there, and we enjoy doing it. So even though you haven't showered for maybe a week and a half, (laughs) everyone else has done the same. So you're all in the same boat. Yeah. Right. This is something that you have found not just worthwhile, but um, rewarding. Very. uh, Because people have asked me before, like, what do you do to bring that home? How do you translate what happens in Burning Man to your house? I said, well, you don't bring Burning Man, but the attitude of how you accept people, that's what I bring home. Like, who can you accept into your building? Who can you accept into your house? What's mm-hmm. acceptable to you um, has changed over these years of going to Burning Man. There's no one that's unacceptable. You know, it just becomes that. But you learn how to handle the most unacceptable person in a way that brings them into a place where you can walk with them. I, I find that all fascinating. I'm sure there's a lot more that you could share, yes. but uh, I think we'll probably keep it at that. Yes. But uh, Mike, is there anything else that you would like to share, uh, leave as a bit of encouragement for, for our listeners? For everyone who's going to be calling you concerning the performance coaches, just remember that we're not there to berate, browbeat or anything. Mm-hmm. We're there to help And our initial call is about that to say, here's an area that we see you're doing well here, but you're not doing well here. But it's not pointing out the do not do this anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about here's how we see that you're improving here. You can improve even more. And uh, it's all about encouragement because we want you to do well. We don't want you to feel like we think you're doing bad because we don't. We, we think everyone's doing well until you tell us, I am not going to do well. You know, well, that's a turning point. But it, we're all about telling people, call. We can help. Or when we call you, we will help. Mike, 
thanks so much for sharing your your wisdom and couple stories in there as well. Yeah. Definitely appreciate having you here as a performance coach and taking yeah. on that role. It, it's a, something completely different right now. Yes. And uh, yes. exciting for sure. But Mike, thanks so much. And uh, look forward to seeing you here in the office uh, more and more in the future. Thank you. I, I do count it as a privilege and it's a fun privilege. Thanks. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then, go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, TerminalExchange.org.